is this? Mary Laidlaw. She's just finished a life term. She killed her husband with an axe. Used to tell stories about her. Bloody Mary would get us if we were bad. Can you open the door, please? I tried phoning ahead, but you... Mine's dead. I have to fit you with a monitoring tag. You got kids. Bye. I don't talk about my personal life. Why do you stay in this town? No mother should have a stranger bring up her child. That's not right. Nick! Nick! Mary Laidlaw just went off property. She comes back, two kids vanish. they got up to up here it was sick. 30 years in this skin. It's nothing to do with me. Get out! Mother, father was a man. Mother is the earth. Put it down! yours if you want it. It's up to you. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, witches and warlocks. And, I, and I'd love to say that I'm doing really well, Mike, but I'm freezing my ass off in 50 degree weather in Southern California. This is just so unnatural for me that I just I, I feel like a fish out of water. I don't like it. I, I want my heat back. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually experiencing something similar here. It's, it's kind of weird because it usually doesn't feel like this until around January here. But uh, it, I don't know. Cold front moved in pretty quick. So. I guess it's like the uh, the pendulum swinging back from having 100 degrees in September. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Also with us, as always, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? Yeah, it's going on. Always great to be here. All right. Well, let's see if uh, it's great to be here tonight because we are covering um, uh, VOD, a week off from the theater again, so we decided to pick the movie that just landed on Shudder, I think a week or so ago, and that would be Mandrake. And when I was looking this up, there's some other movies with a similar name, so make sure, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's the 2022 one, and it's on Shutter right now. So pay attention yeah. uh, to um, that. Uh, yeah, there's one that I really like from the Sci-Fi Channel from like 2010. That's actually really cool. It's about a gigantic walking bush that comes to life and attacks people. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, it actually is. It's one of their better ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to set the table for this one, I'll take the synopsis off IMDb. A probation officer, Kathy Madness, tasked with rehabilitating a, to- a notorious killer named Bloody Mary Ladlaw, Laidlaw back into society following a two-decade sentence. All right. So... We will start with our general thoughts on Mandrake with Venom. What did you think of Mandrake? I mean, this wasn't too bad of a film. I mean, it, it's well shot. I have no problem with the cinematography. I do like how this whole movie looks very dreary. Even the daytime scenes just seem very just gray, um, almost bleak, which kind of lends itself to kind of the tone of the film. I thought the performances were fine. Um so, you know, from a filmmaking standpoint, I, I think the movie is fine. It's, it's a well-made film. Uh, my issue is, of course, as always, going to be the story. Um, I feel like this is a very incomplete story. Like I, I've seen, you know, as we've already discussed, there are multiple movies, you know, that kind of deal with the Mandrake route and things like that. And a lot of them are just so much more fleshed out, whereas this one... You kind of get a taste of what's going on, but they, they definitely keep everything close to the hip. Um, 
there's definitely a mystery throughout the film, but then once that mystery is kind of revealed, I, it almost loses me a little bit. Like I'm actually a little upset that this movie doesn't have a certain element that I will not say now as this is a spoiler free section, but yeah, um, there's a certain element of the horror subgenre that I like to see in my Mandrake films. And unfortunately this one doesn't really have it now, as I've said, um, it's beautifully acted. Uh, you know, the, the filmmaking is great. I don't like this score. This is something that I don't often say, because to me, scores are either good or they're present. But with this one, there was a couple of scenes in this film where the score almost doesn't make sense. Uh, on top of the fact that there's a couple of scenes where I thought the score was too loud. Like in the very first scene where Kathy and Bloody Mary meet, there's music playing that doesn't really seem appropriate for what's happening for the type of conversation that they're having. And then it's too loud too. Like, and which is kind of odd. This is a kind of an odd choice for the audio mix. Um, and I am an audio engineer. So, I mean, I may notice things that, you know, normal viewer movie viewers may not. So take that with a grain of salt, but um, overall, you know, it's, it's a beautiful film to look at. Like I said, it's, it's very well made. It's got some good, I can't even say really effects because, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot of quote unquote effects to speak of here. You know, not a whole lot of on screen kills or gore or anything like that. It's, it's definitely a movie that's relying on its storytelling and its characterizations. And I think the characterizations are top notch. It's the storytelling that loses it for me. So um, that's about as much as I can say without getting into spoilers. It's a good film that could have been a great film had the filmmaking team maybe made a different decision or two here and there. But overall, still a really good film, you know, a slow burn. You know, I am a slow burn fan, so maybe I'm a little bit higher on this than most will be because it is kind of a slower paced film. Um, luckily, it's only an hour and 25 minutes, so at least you're not going to be spending a lot of time with it. But um, it's it, it's going to be a hard one for me to recommend because though there's nothing about it that I flat out hate, there's nothing about it that I love either. And uh, to movies like that, it's like I'll, I'll say watch it if you have time, if you have Shutter, but otherwise I, I can't call it a must-watch horror film for 2022. But definitely a well-made film, and you know worth seeing if there's nothing else on your uh, movie queue. That's it for now, Mike. Okay, I'll throw it over to Don then. What did you think of Mandrake? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat here. Um, I, I, I agree with uh, pretty much everything that he said. Uh, it looks really good. Uh, the atmosphere of the town is fantastic. I love the, you know, the oppressive woodland area that, you know, it surrounds everything. And it just it gives off like the vibe of something evil and malicious lurking just beneath the surface. The setup isn't bad. Sorry. Um, I, I like where it uh, it goes. Uh, you know, from the very beginning, I like the you know the mystery of over whether or not you know the you know the suspicious murderer is actually uh, in connection is actually causing all of these uh, incidences uh, that are going on around town. Uh, some of them are uh, kind of creepy and chilling, especially when it gets to the second half, and we kind of get a little bit more fleshed out over what's happening to, you know, the, the, the residents and, you know, they're dragging more people into this mystery and it kind of gets a little bit more interesting, but yeah, the slow burn for this one is just a little too on the sluggish side. Uh, the pacing needed to get picked up a little either that, or I would probably say that they were instructed to act too slowly where it didn't really have any kind of like energy or sense of I'm trying to think of the appropriate term here. Just, you know, like no sense of urgency, I, I guess would be the, the main, main word here, just because, you know, the entire thing, um, as we'll discuss in a few minutes, probably involves, uh, you know, children being missing and, uh, you know, that's going to light a fire under people and that's going to, you know, get everybody off their ass and get moving. And it kind of really doesn't here. It kind of just, oh, well, yeah, well, I guess we guess we had to, you know, deal with these kids. Uh, what's for dinner, honey? And it doesn't really have that kind of, you know, freneticness that I, I would kind of want for something to, you know, utilize that kind of a trope. But the other thing for me that really kind of stuck out is just, 
everything set at night was so dark. I had almost a, I almost had to check mm-hmm. my, I you know check my player to make sure that the brightness settings was fixed off because I remember having the same issue with uh, Hellraiser a few weeks ago and it's nearly impossible to make out anything that's going on if it's set at night and especially if it's set in the woods. Uh, there's just like almost no lighting at all at anything that, you know, takes place in those settings. And it's really difficult to try to follow along because you're watching people act sluggishly in something that you can't tell what's happening. And it doesn't really bode very well for immersion sake, but overall, it's not a bad one. Uh, I would probably even also uh, just, you know, before I get any further, I would probably have a better ending because this thing's ending is just, uh, I, 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 I don't want to talk about it because we're not there yet, but this ending is probably one of the weakest and uh, underwhelming entries of the entire year. But I, I probably like it a little bit more if it was a little zippy and they, you know, fixed the ending, but it's still, it's not a terrible watch. You know, I, I've seen far worse this year. We've covered far worse than this. Shutters picked far worse than this one as well. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it's not just them, but it, yeah, it, it's not a pressing watch, especially at this time of the year when I can see um, a lot of us are trying to, uh, you know, finalize our lists and get our countdowns ready for, uh, you know, 2022. I, I can't see this making many people's lists. I, I don't see it as a pressing watch. Uh, maybe, you know, if you've already compiled everything in like, you know, January or February next year and you want to go back and see something that, you know, maybe you might have missed, this could be a top choice at that point. But overall, at the, this stage of the calendar year, I really can't see this being a, a pressing priority and, a, you know, a definite must watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm also just going to say that I felt it was a pretty middle-of-the-road movie. I actually thought the setup was pretty good. I liked the idea of um, reintroducing someone into society that has, like, a nefarious past. And as we kind of learn more about their past, it it starts to catch up with them as far as, you know, they're re-getting re into some of the stuff that supposedly was out there i i like the fact that they're kind of mixing like legend and lore with like real life as far as um the folklore goes um and i i like how some of the stuff unfolds but i don't know i i i also felt it was like a little bit incomplete it it, it just kind of went uh, i'm trying to f- like how can i uh, i'm I'm finding even like a difficulty explaining like what my problems were with the story specifically i just felt that there wasn't a ton of story here i felt like they they set something up good in the first act and just it didn't seem like it progressed very much from there and i also agree with don the ending like i kind of think i might know what they were going for at the ending but even that it just felt like we don't need one of these, like, just cut to black randomly after, like, just seeing something really quick. I, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like we needed that. We could have gotten a little more there. And um, I don't know, man. I, I think a promising setup just didn't lead to much. And, I, you know, I tend to like these folklore movies, especially, like, Nordic or Nordic adjacent i guess because uh, this is ireland irish right i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and yeah and I, I i always don't necessarily know a ton about like folklores from all these countries but i'm always down for it they're always interesting but you know it's funny because the the what was that movie god i can't even remember the movie anymore was it cub i can't remember from earlier this year that you guys didn't like and i did like um with uh carrie russell in it um antlers the name of it but antlers that was it, uh, it was it's funny year. because i wonder if it's throwing us off was it last was it? it last year damn yeah i can't yeah, yeah i guess we're already year. in november so it feels like a long so long 
Um, <laughs> Antlers almost did like the stark opposite, which was like, we're going to introduce a character just to give exposition on like what's going on, where this movie was like, we're going to give you a few crumbs, but hopefully you're already kind of familiar with a Mandrake uh, mythology and folklore. Yeah, uh, good luck. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully you are, and hopefully it makes sense. And I, yeah, that, I, was, that was going to be something that I, I brought up at the when we got to spoilers. Um, I mean, since you're you're mentioning it now, I can feel a little safer. But yeah, there's like almost no explanation. Like this is a lived-in world that we're just following along and catching. You know, we're just introduced into this universe at this specific point in time, and there's like no catch-up to it. It's like you know you're you're starting at this specific point, but there's already like you know ten to fifteen months worth of backstory, or even in this case, I think they said that she's been incarcerated what twenty years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's yeah. like all this like there's all this backstory that's been built up over it, but it doesn't catch you up to what's going on. It's just it's like a lived-in universe that you're not really privy of, and you're just like watching from the outside. I was gonna bring that up because I thought that was kind of like a spoiler for what's gonna happen, but I mean, since you bring it up, yeah, it's yeah, valid. I mean, I mean, you're gonna call the movie Mandrake and then actually show us a mandrake route in the movie but not tell us what you're doing i mean we get a vague idea but yeah if you've never heard of a mandrake before uh i think you're gonna be a little lost with this one yeah because i actually rewound the movie so i think one of you guys already mentioned so it's only 85 minutes so it is one that like if you have to rewatch it in a pinch you you might be able to so i actually was like halfway through the third act and i felt like I was a little uneasy with like how much understanding I had specifically about the folklore. So I actually rewound it uh, like and almost watched like the second and third act all like a second time immediately because there's a scene involving something like that. And I was like, what am I seeing here exactly? Like I, I kind of understand what the antagonists are making the person do, but I don't exactly know why. And I watched it a second time and it, it doesn't give much insight, but then I went and like, look stuff up afterwards and that helped. But I'm just like, well, the movie could have done a little something to even just during that scene, give a little exposition of like, you're going to do this and it's going to, the purpose is this. And you don't need like the whole, you know, a ton of dialogue but just a, a little bit, and then it would have gone a long way there. Um, so you do get a little bit of that in this movie where you might be confused if you're not already uh, familiar. So maybe if you're listening to this portion of the show and you aren't very familiar with that folklore, look it up before watching the movie. Um, but, uh, Venom, you mentioned the score. I, I I don't even have much to say about the score, which tells me it wasn't memorable at the, <laughs> at its best. So I take your criticism of the score on face value because if I can't even remember it, that's not good for a horror movie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else can I say? I I did like the performance of the of the main antagonist. I thought I thought she was good. Um, it's just the material she was given with it, it you know, it, it, I, I think you guys are both right. It, it, everything feels a little incomplete. And I know, you know, we've been champions of like 90 minute and under movies this year, but like make this go from 85 to 90, 90 or 95 and give us just that little bit of uh, info, um, added maybe a, a little extension on the end. And it probably would have brought it up a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just say to cap off general thoughts, Middle of the road movie. I mean, if you're into like Nordic folklore, just in general, um, all the different things that it has to offer, all the different things you usually don't get from like American films because we don't have those uh, that same mythology here. I would still say check it out, and it is on Shutter. You know, easy to throw on. Just you know, it's you're uh, you're probably looking at a, like a, a middle of the road type movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say maybe even slightly above middle of the road. Um, like I said, the performance, I, I think both female leads do a great job. Um, I'm going to say that the ex-husband was a little flat throughout the film. So, you know, that, that his performance was just kind of there. Um, I thought the kids, what few kids were in the movies, did a pretty good job with what they were doing. Um, like I said, I, I feel like it's it's a good production. 
whether it's a whether that translates into this being a good movie, that's going to be up to the viewer. But it seems like all three of us are in the same kind of the same boat where it's it's a little short of being a good movie. You know, it's it's like I said, very watchable, very pretty, but it, it just leaves so much out of the story that you know once you watch, I've watched it twice now and. You know, I think I kind of understand what the ending means, but that you know, that's totally up. The, well, another thing too is that Don is one hundred percent correct about this ending. This is one of those movies that doesn't really end; it just stops. Like it felt like there was more, at least another five minutes of story, just to give us a little something. On top of the fact that they leave all these dangling plot points throughout the movie just alone. Like early on, we get a we get a shot of the kid having an asthma attack and then later on sleeping in what looks like one of those sleep apnea masks, those CPAP uh, masks. Uh, but then that never is a factor. It's like, well, why, why do we waste this scene of the kid having an asthma attack? If it's never going to come back to mean anything, um, something about Kathy's physiology that the witch quote unquote fixes for her. Um, that doesn't turn into anything like you know, once we get into the spoiler section and I talk about what that thing is, I mean, that's something that a woman with this affliction would probably kill for that opportunity. But then it just gets left alone. Like, you know, we get no payoff, no like six months later type scene or whatever. It's like, nah, you know, we, we do get an epitaph in the film that obviously takes place a few months after the end of the action because there is a baby now in the picture that wasn't there before. But I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's any real growth. The character arcs are just like, I, I don't see any arcs in this movie at all. Kathy is pretty much the same person she is at the end that she was at the beginning. Maybe she has a little bit more appreciation for her son, but that's about it. Um, and then same thing with our witch, you know, there's no character arc there. She's a piece of shit at the beginning. She's a piece of shit at the end, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for deep character development, this movie isn't it. But if you're looking for a mystery that may leave you scratching your head at the end of the film so that you can kind of plug in your own answers, this is a good movie for that, definitely. It definitely leaves a lot to interpretation, especially with that ending, like Mike and Don both said. So, yeah, there, there is stuff to appreciate here. I just don't feel like it's enough. And it seems to be the consensus between the three of us that, yeah, it, it seemed like they had a the, uh, they had a good blueprint, but it's just it failed in execution. And, you know, like I said, you're going to make a movie like this with very little violence, very little gore, um, trying to convince us that there is something supernatural going on, blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of fizzles out at the end. It, it's a little unfortunate because I was on board for the first two acts. I was for the most part on board with the story. But, yeah, the third act is just so disappointing and that ending just leaves you scratching your head. Like, why the fuck did, like, what was the point of this film? Why were we here? <laughs> this is what I mean about no character arc. Nothing has changed. Maybe a few people are dead that weren't a lot, that weren't dead at the beginning of the movie, but yeah, it doesn't really change the grand scheme of things. So yeah, that, you know, it's an underwhelming film. Let's just go with that. It's still um, a nice film. Looks good. Well-made, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it, like I said, if you like ambiguous stories, this is the movie for you. And then you could just plug in your own ending <laughs> or whatever your your own interpretation of the ending, if you will. Ah, uh, anything else you guys want to say before we get into it? Mm. I mean, I brought up the the fact about the lived-in universe thing, so that was kind of one of my notes. Um, I, I don't let me see anything. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a bigger exploration of this world. Yeah, the world building in this one is just, I mean, with folklore, folk horror specifically, you know, the world building may not always be there because it's such an isolated story. But I, I don't know, like we know nothing about the town that they're in. We know nothing about the families that live there. It's such an isolated story between, you know, this uh parole officer and police officer that are now divorced and then this recently released uh, m double murderer and you know that's kind of it you know it's almost like a Ferris Bueller type movie just a day in the life <laughs> or a week in the life I guess in this case but yeah too bad had a lot of potential but didn't quite pan out oh mm -hmm. man <laughs> anything else Mike uh, not really that I can't say like without spoilers so i, I cool. think i'm good on general thoughts 
All right. This won't be much of a walkthrough. This is going to be pretty damn quick. But I will let me give you a history lesson just in case if any of you are still with us and are not going to watch the movie and are interested in what a mandrake is. Yes, despite what you've seen on Harry Potter and Pan's Labyrinth, a mandrake is an actual thing, a real-world plant. And what it is, it is a Mediterranean plant of the nightshade family with white or purple flowers and large yellow berries. Um, anyone who knows nightshade, nightshade, of course, is poison, which makes the mandrake poison. If you consume the mandrake, it is poison. Um, but the mandrake is not meant to be consumed, so... Uh, let me tell you its use in mythology. In mythology, the mandrake plant, um, grew, um, the first mandrake plant grew from the blood and semen of the hanged man. Now, there's a story uh, from Nordic um, mythology of a, ma of a criminal that was hung and cut multiple times. Uh, he died on, you know, hanging on the noose, apparently his piss, his shit, his semen, his blood all dripped into the ground. This story is very close to the Golgothan, the shit demon from, you know, the Bible. Um, and, and of course, Kevin Smith's dogma. But um, in this case, uh, the, uh, the hanged man's blood, semen, even the fat dripping off its body, all um, pretty much consolidates under the ground and it turns into a mandrake root. And if anyone has never seen a mandrake root, it basically looks like a fat carrot. Many people say it looks like a human child. It almost it has the similar kind of characteristics of a human child. It looks like a baby, like an infant, basically. Um, obviously, if you as I've mentioned, if you've seen Harry Potter, if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth, then you've seen the kind of supernatural usage of the mandrake. It's usually meant for healing um, in Harry Potter. I think they use it to create healing potions in Pan's Labyrinth. It's meant to heal the mother who, you know, Ophelia's mother, who's very sick. But of course, uh, the evil stepdad takes the mandrake root away before it could take effect, blah, 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 blah. Um, it seems like they're using it pretty much the same way here. We're never given the exact explanation, but it does seem like it's being used here as a healing potion, as we'll get into right now. <laughs> so to start our, our movie, as I mentioned earlier, we are introduced to Kathy. She is a parole officer, probation officer, whatever you want to go with, and she is visiting one of her uh, a guy named Paul, someone that it, actually when you watch the movie the first time, we don't even know that she's a parole officer. I mean, th this could be an ex-boyfriend. This could be her son. I mean, literally, maybe she had a kid really early and she's yelling at her teenage son. But basically, she shows up. She starts yelling at this guy named Paul who's sitting around behind the gas station having beers with his friends. And, you know, she's basically telling him oh, because he lost his job. That's what it was. Or he didn't go to his job. Obviously, when criminals are released from prison, they are placed in employment situations that they must uh, complete. Otherwise, run the risk of being sent back to prison. So obviously, this guy, Paul, stopped going into work. During this opening scene, there's an altercation between one of Paul's friends, which just completely blows my mind. Because like I said, watching it the first time and you don't know that she's a parole officer, not that it makes it makes it any better. But yeah, out of nowhere, this guy just starts shit with this woman, calls her a cunt, tells her you're not even supposed to be on this property, get out of here, and then literally attacks her. Literally gets up, pushes her on the ground, straddles her, looks like he's about to start some ground and pound shit. <laughs> um, luckily, Paul interjects, and even more luckily, Kathy has mace on her, which, of course, she sprays on his eyes. Later in the film, we then find out that she's a parole officer, probation officer, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. This piece of shit knowingly attacked a probation officer? Do you want to go to jail? Like, is that your end game? Like, that made no fucking sense to me. Because he knew who she was. Because as, as, as soon as she shows up there, the other piece of shit says, you're not even supposed to be on this property. You know what I mean? So he obviously knew she's a parole officer, and then he goes and attacks her, physically attacks her. Yeah, um, that's kind of the level of intelligence in this film, my friends, at least from some of the characters. Um, we later find out that she is um, divorced from Jason, her ex-husband, who is now remarried with a younger, prettier wife. And, of course, the younger, pretty wife is pregnant. And we find out that Kathy has been given a new, um, uh, what do you call it, convict, ex-con, I guess, a new ex-con that, that will now be part of her 
um, list of people that she checks in with, takes care of, and that is, of course, Mary Laidlaw, locally known as Bloody Mary, because 20 years ago she killed a homeless person along with her husband. Now, when when the crime occurred, she claimed that the husband was abusive, basically set fire to her, literally physically set fire to her. Later in the film, we actually get confirmation that there was fire involved, whether the actual husband was the one who set her on fire or not is still a question. But um, when Kathy shows up to Mary's house to put one of those um, ankle bracelets on her, you know, the, uh, the, to monitor her location, um, when she pulls her pants up, she sees her skin is just black and charred. So obviously, you know, she wasn't lying about the fire. Somebody set her on fire at some point. Um, and then during that scene, you know, this is the scene I'm talking about where Kathy and Mary first meet and the music, the score just seems kind of inappropriate. Like it's a little too light considering what they're talking about. I mean, here's two women talking about murder, talking about how the town looks at this woman as Bloody Mary, even though, you know, she claims that it was self-defense and that her husband was abusive and everything else. They don't really talk too much about the homeless person that she supposedly killed, uh, but they do mention a wandering man, uh, basically someone, uh, another character from mythology that just kind of wanders the woods of Northern Ireland and, you know, does whatever it does. So um, so that's kind of our setup. You know, we have our setup later in the film. We see two kids, two locals um, who are just kind of, you know, walking around the woods and they are taken. They are taken by what looks like the wandering man, you know, with this big guy with horns. He almost looks like Krampus, like Michael Flanagan's uh, Krampus. So, uh, oh, that's, wait, 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 hold on. I was going to bring this up. What's up? Uh, I was going to say, did you guys think it was weird that they revealed it this early? The creature or the yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. Considering they, how, how it turned out. Not I mean, really. Yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> well, when, you first, yeah. when you first sat down and watched it, because I, I almost forgot about this until you brought it up. Did you find it weird that they would choose to reveal it this early, even though you you don't know where it's going the first time you watch it? Mm-hmm. You just see it the first time and you see it this early into the movie. I would have like I mean, I would have liked to have seen the mythology built up a little bit more, um, you know, because obviously when you first see him, you're not 100 percent sure if this is an actual super hu- uh, supernatural being or just a human, you know, with some kind of costume on. So I, yeah, I think they keep the mystery yeah. alive enough that. I, I see your point, Don. I do, but um, I don't know. I, I think they keep it ambiguous enough that it's okay. I mean, it's a short movie anyway, so. Yeah, That's sure. kind of like what what I was saying in the general thoughts, how like they kind of play on the mythology, but then things kind of turn out a little yeah. different in the end, like <laughs> what's actually going on. Exactly, yep. So we see our mysterious wandering man basically leading the two kids away. And later in the scene or later that night, it's discovered that the two kids are missing. Uh, Their family has called the police and reported them missing. They haven't come home. They start a search party to look for the kids. Unfortunately, they don't find them. They do end up finding another body, though that just gets ignored, like not ignored in the sense that they leave it there, but ignored in the sense that it doesn't come up in the story again. Like, am I wrong? Did they not mention that body? Cause they found like an adult body while they were looking for the kids, but it wasn't the kids. And they just, uh, they just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I remember thinking that too, like, okay, there's remains and they're kind of just, over it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they do. Obviously, you know, they court off the area. They, you know, it's a dead body and they're police. So they obviously got to do something about it. But it doesn't look, at least immediately, like it's related to Bloody Mary and the Wandering Man. Um, but again, we, we don't find out anything about an investigation, who the, what the body was, who it was, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, just another dangling plot point that they kind of leave for us. There. Well, don't they also later on, I can't remember if this is directly after that or just like just before, but don't they say that it takes like that there's the potential for like 30, 40 year old bodies to just be to have just been like discovered? Absolutely. That, In the bog? Absolutely. Yeah, yep. that's what I'm saying is that it. it I don't, I don't remember where they brought that up, but that to me, that was kind of like one of those, oh, that's just been there. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I wish they were a little bit more obvious about yeah, that. 
Yeah, I agree. It could be a little bit more obvious, but just as soon as that came up, and I think I, I think I just tied it together to, oh, that's just been there. Yep, exactly. Well, that makes sense because, like, at least for like the first and maybe some of the second act, they're still kind of playing around with the like the fact that you know she's out of jail after twenty years. So, was she like a woman wrong that got caught up in something, or is she actually sinister for real, or what's going on? So maybe that's why they kind of just said, "Oh, it's unrelated," like to just to keep <laughs> that air of suspicion alive. Valid. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so after uh, our wandering man takes these kids away, we later find out that they are actually in the basement of Bloody Mary. Yes, Bloody Mary has not changed her ways. She's right back at doing what she was doing before. Um, I, I, I don't know if there were ever any accusations of missing children, but obviously that's always the fear. You know, you you think, you know, the general public thinks they have a witch in their midst in the woods and obviously they want to protect their children from that. And lo and behold, the town was right because <laughs> Mary um, basically and then this this is the part of the movie that one of the parts of the movie that really bothers me. The reveal that the wandering man isn't supernatural, that it's just her son, her 20 her something year old son that was taken away from her when she went to jail is so nonchalant. Like literally he's standing there all menacing and potentially it could still be something dark and, you know, fantastical in some way. But then he just nonchalantly takes off his mask and just does what his mother tells him to do. And I'm like, really? That's our fucking reveal. That could have been done a lot better in my opinion. I don't know. What'd you guys think? Well, is the, is the wandering man actually just kind of like an add-on for this specific story like that actually has nothing to do with the mandrake stuff and that oh just... uh, absolutely yeah i mean she she's the one who brought up the wandering man when she was yeah, first yeah. yeah. exactly because so, I, mean, I think like I, I think on a first watch because uh, that's another reason i kind of like rewound it because i was like okay i kind of understand the mandrake stuff but like what is this wandering man's to how does this factor in and then especially once it turns out to be a son it kind of it makes sense for the story, but for like the mythology, I'm like, wait, is this Wandering Man thing all unrelated? So, it, I, I think people might find it convoluted only because the Wandering Man specifically feels added on. Once you find out it's the son, okay, it's like, oh, so, so yeah, obviously the son is helping her do whatever she's trying to do, but it's still. Uh, it, the, how it gets there is a, is a little bit uh, convoluted, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, basically what we see at this point after Thomas takes the mask off and we see that it's just her adult son, uh, basically she just says, do the girl first, and then the scene cuts to black. So luckily we don't necessarily see any violence on children on screen. Not that I have a problem with that, but I know most do. So uh, basically the next morning, uh, the children are now officially missing. Their parents uh, basically reported them missing. They have not come home. And, uh, you know, obviously instantly people want to blame Bloody Mary. You know, she, she's like the town pariah. So she's going to, you know, take the blame for a lot of their crap. So um, basically the next morning, uh, both Jason and Kathy – visit Mary, but on separate visits, separate occasions, Jason shows up first, the, you know, the ex-husband cop. And he basically questions her, you know, lets her know, Hey, you know, these two kids are missing. Do you know anything about this? They were seen in the woods around your house. Of course, Mary denies everything. And then there's a really weird scene where Mary gives him a cigarette and it almost comes off sexual. Like, did, did you guys get that weird vibe during that scene where she, she hands him the cigarette and then lights it, and staring deeply into his eyes as he's lighting it. I don't know. It felt vaguely sexual. Uh, either <laughs> awkward or sexual, one of the two, yeah. Oh, awkward, definitely. Or awkward, both. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah I, I didn't read sexual. Um, I, I thought it more just like, you know, she's looking at him as like a prime target, maybe. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, Maybe she's the type of person who plays with her food. Yeah, I, I guess I can accept that. I, I she, she's it. having fun with them before she knows yeah. what she's gonna, eventually going to do. Eh. 
I, yeah, I, I look at it more as like her like scoping out a potential target or victim or something. Yeah, I'll go with that. Definitely. It just, I don't know. To me, it just it, felt it, so It is kind of weird, creepy. but yeah. <laughs> it, it is weird just the, like the way she's looking at him. But yeah, it, I, I can see sexual. I, I just went for uh, sizing up potential target. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, basically after this incredibly awkward scene with Jason and Bloody Mary, uh, then Kathy shows up pretty much with the exact same intention. You know, do you know anything about these kids that are missing? They were last seen in your woods, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, they, they end up having some cryptic conversations. And, and Mary knows a lot more about Kathy than she's kind of letting on. Like, you know, she she knows that Kathy's divorced. She knows that Jason, the police officer, is her ex, even though they've never met. Uh, Bloody Mary, you know, obviously she she could just be cognizant of all the people in this small little town that they live in. But um, she knew like a lot of information that most people wouldn't know, such as that Kathy is barren and cannot have children. She has had one child with Luke already. Excuse me, with Jason. Luke is the child. Luke is her son. Uh, He's about, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old in the film. But of course, Luke is living with his father and, you know, his new wife. So. Uh, you know, a little bit of an estranged relationship between uh, the child, Luke, and his mother, Kathy. And I don't know, man. It just uh, from there, um, somehow at one point in the film, Kathy is taken down by the wandering man who at this point we now know is Thomas. He's back in his outfit, but we see him kind of sneak up behind Kathy while Kathy is trying to talk to uh, Mary And basically the screen just goes black. And then when the screen comes back, Mary is tied up in, uh, excuse me, not Mary. Kathy is tied up in Mary's basement. Mary starts, you know, getting cryptic with her speech, talking about 30 years in this skin and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she, she, she's talking about wanting new skin, whatever the hell that means. That I mean, that storyline almost sounds a little bit better than what we ended up getting. I would have loved to have seen Mary harvesting skin from children. That might have been interesting. Uh, but instead, what we get is a very odd scene where... They basically lock up Kathy, um, well, not lock her up, but they chain her up almost like a dog. They put a collar around her and a chain, and they take her out to the woods. And what they end up doing is they throw Kathy into a, like a bog. There's like a, almost like a pit that's all muddy and boggy. They throw her in there, and they tell her to look for something, you know, start digging through the mud and look for something. Uh, They don't tell her specifically what, of course, but, you know, she's digging through there. And then finally she sees something that looks uh, slightly familiar to those of us in the know. She pulls it out of the ground, and that is a mandrake. Yes, like I said, it's the tuber root that looks a lot like a a human infant, like a newborn. She pulls it out of the ground, gives it to the witch, and then, you know, she's dragged back to Mary's house. Back at the house, we see Mary perform a ritual on the mandrake, and some of the now, things just, that we uh, see. Ju- oh, go ahead. Just a comment on a comment on that scene in the mud. Now, I think this is an interesting point or an example. I mean, um, of a scene that like I I like this scene, but if you're not familiar with like how a mandrake root mm-hmm. works and all this, especially like the screaming part, because. When when she's like, oh, you, you, you might be hearing scream. This is to block the screaming. And she's like, what? Well, what's supposed to be screaming? What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the line but, she she says something along the lines of, if you can't hear it, it can't kill you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what? Like if what? If she can't hear what? Like <laughs> what? What's going on now? Obviously, if you're familiar with the lore, then you know exactly what she's talking about. Now, I like the look of the scene. I like. I mean, I thought it was you know creepy that she's out there chained up on her own in dreary conditions, like digging through the mud for something. But um, it's still like, man, if you if you're not really familiar with what's going on, you're probably just figure like sitting there going, what? am I seeing here? What, what, what is it exactly that's going on? Exactly. Very true. And this, this whole scene with, you know, um, Mary putting that stuff in Kathy's ear so that she can't hear the mandrake harkens back to the cold open, which I completely skipped over, but 
there's not really much there. Basically, the cold open of this film is we see a guy mysteriously chained up and he's in that same pit that we see Kathy in later. He's also digging through the mud, but then suddenly he hears a screech and just passes out and dies. And then we see something drag his body off screen because he's also in a chain and a collar. And that's it. Like the opening scene is so ambiguous on first watch. You just have no fucking idea what you're watching. Again, if you know what a Mandrake is going into this movie, then maybe you're clued in a little bit more. But otherwise, you're just going to be very confused. So anyway, after um, Kathy finds the Mandrake and gives it to Mary, they end up going back to Bloody Mary's place where Mary then starts to perform a procedure on the Mandrake. We see her. Uh, basically cut the mandrake open lengthwise by the way the entire time this mandrake is moving um which is which i thought would lend to like a supernatural element in the film this is the element i'm talking about in the spoiler set in the spoiler free section that i mentioned that i was disappointed about every mandrake movie i've ever seen has a very distinct supernatural element to it I mean, hell, the fact that there's a plant that looks like a human baby that can heal people, I mean, that's pretty fucking supernatural. But this one, like I said, completely ignores it. We don't really get a lot of the magic and supernatural elements of it. Uh, we basically see uh, Bloody Mary split the mandrake open lengthwise with a knife. And then she pours in blood and milk, which, again, if you know anything about the lore, if you remember from Pan's Labyrinth, Ophelia had to put the mandrake in the bowl of milk with a drop of her own blood and then put it under her mother's bed. Um, and then, you know, in Harry Potter, they don't get that gross with it. You know, they just kind of show them harvesting the uh, mandrake. But the scream in Harry Potter is the one that I'll give it the credit for, because the mandrake is supposed to be a screaming like uh, entity. When you pull it, basically when it's in the dirt, in the ground, it's silent. It's basically asleep. As soon as you pull it out of its soil, it just starts screaming. So I will give Harry Potter credit for that one. They, they got that one right for you Harry Potter fans out there who saw that. I forget which Harry Potter movie that was that had the mandrake. But yeah, that was actually a pretty fucking cool scene. Um, all right. So from there, as I said, we see we see her performing some kind of. I don't, you know, things to the uh, to the mandrake, uh, covering it in blood, covering it in milk. Then she harvests all the liquid that comes out of the mandrake and she puts it into a jar. Um, earlier in the film, we saw her give a spoonful to each of the children, which, you know, pretty much uh, immobilized them, knocked them out, which made it easier for um, Thomas and Bloody Mary to harvest the blood of the children. Cause I forgot to mention when they find the children's bodies, both of their throats are slit uh, and there's no other damage to the bodies whatsoever. So obviously they were harvested for blood. You know, they had their throats slit because the bodies are clean too. Like there's no blood on them. Their throats are slit ear to ear, but there's not a drop of blood anywhere. So obviously their blood was harvested along with the liquids from the mandrake and what Bloody Mary claims, as most witches do with a mandrake, that it has healing abilities, that it's, it'll be able to heal you. Um, when Mary, uh, excuse me, when Kathy was out collecting the mandrake root, she stepped on a, a bear trap. So her leg was very, very, you know, damaged and messed up. And basically that evening, after Bloody Mary does her procedure, her ritual with the mandrake, she feeds something to Kathy and then tells her tomorrow morning, your leg will be perfect and your insides will be fixed too. As in she will be able to have children again. This is the thing that kind of freaks me out that we never hear about this again. Like I honestly thought we were going to get some kind of like post, not a post credit scene necessarily, but like an epitaph to the film where we see um, Kathy, maybe six months later, and she's pregnant or something like that, like uh, some kind of payoff to show that the witch actually did for uh, for Kathy what she claims she did. But nope, she just kind of says that's what's going to happen. And the next morning, her leg is way more healed to the point where she can actually where Kathy uh, can actually walk out of the house and run and everything else. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we never find out about her reproductive system. It's never even brought up again the rest of the movie. So. Another kind of disappointing, uh, a disappointing plot line just left dangling. Um, where are we at this point? Um, oh, at this point, uh, Kathy does kind of get out of the house and, you know, she's she's running around the house. 
Um, Thomas, the son, uh, gives chase. He's uh, basically chasing her through the woods. At this moment, Jason shows up once again to visit Bloody Mary. The ex-husband cop shows up again, once again, asking her if she knows anything about these kids, blah, blah, blah. She starts getting very cryptic with what she's telling him. And then basically uh, one of the police officers who's been on the force for a very, very long time kind of shows up at Mary's house at the same time that Jason shows up. Jason tells this guy to get out of here. You know, there's nothing that you can do here, uh, blah, blah, blah. But then when Jason goes into the house to confront Mary, we actually see this police officer come back into the house and stab Jason in the side, basically bury a knife right into his um, kind of the side of his torso uh, leaving the knife in there, too. So poor Jason is now walking around the house with a knife in his side. Eventually, he gets outside the house. He's able to catch up to Bloody Mary. Um, and they have one final confrontation where Mary pulls the knife out of Jason's side and then slits his throat with it, uh, pulls his body aside, and just uh, leaves it there for someone to find the next day. Unfortunately, Kathy is right there uh basically she witnesses the entire murder she witnesses um bloody mary kill her husband but obviously she is you know worried about her own safety so she doesn't like let it be known that she's there she doesn't scream or anything she starts to run away but then (laughs) just complete dumb luck she ends up running into thomas dressed as the wandering man with her son with luke and the reason that the Wandering Man has Luke is because in the scene previous to this, we see the stepmother, that you know, Jason's new young hot uh, wife, taking Luke to the scene <laughs> of where these two kids went missing. And literally, this lady turns around to go grab some flowers out of the car, and Luke is just gone. Just fucking, just totally gone. It's almost an impossibility that he could be gone and not make any noise whatsoever. And then, like I said, later in the scene, Kathy just completely dumb luck just runs into them. It's like, oh, shit, the wandering man has my son. What the fuck? She ends up going to attack the wandering man uh, or Thomas, I should say. Um, She ends up attacking him, beating him over the head with a log. Yes, she does drop her weapon and leave. God damn it. Luckily, in this film, there were not repercussions to her dropping her weapon and leaving because as soon as she leaves the scene, here come the Duggars and the Duggars are the family of the two kids that were killed, that were recently killed. Uh, the mom, uh, the dad, and then some of their close friends, uh, they see Thomas dressed as the wandering man. And they literally, it just turns into mob justice at that point. They take him, they lynch him, they lynch him up in a tree. Somehow they lift him up. Um, You know, they didn't do the thing where they put him on a horse or put him on a stool and then kick the stool out from under him. They actually, you know, hung him from the ground and then pulled him up manually. But somehow we still hear his neck break. I don't know what kind of fucking Irish magic that is, but there it is. So somehow Thomas is instantly killed by being hung. Um, You know, Mary eventually does find his body and, you know, obviously freaks out that they took her son at this point. Uh, I think she just ends up disappearing. I don't. We don't see Mary again until the end of the film. Uh, Jay, uh, excuse me. Um, Kathy um, takes her son Luke. You know, once she's freed from uh, Thomas in the Wandering Man suit, and she just runs all the way home. She literally runs all the way back to her house. And you know she's there with Luke, her son. They feel like they're safe, but then suddenly she turns around, and there's the goddamn mandrake uh, root in a in a. Uh, it might be a new mandrake too, because it's back together in one piece. Remember, I said that she split the other one in half lengthwise. This one looks like it's whole again. So I don't know if it's the same one and it healed itself or something, or if this is a new one that she got, but. That Mary got, I mean, but yeah, basically someone, we assume Mary, left this mandrake root in a basket in Kathy's house. Kathy ends up running out of the house, running into Paul, uh, the the parole guy from the, you know, the ex-con from the very opening scene where she, you know, gets attacked by his friend. He's there to help her out. And, you know, they find uh, they're able to find uh, the 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 stepmom, you know, Jason's new wife to let her know that, yeah, Jason was found dead. 
And then the movie just kind of ends there and goes to its epitaph. And the epitaph is basically a few months later. I forgot to mention that, uh, or I might have mentioned it earlier, but I forgot to mention that the new young wife is pregnant. And uh, so the epitaph scene, basically, it's a few months later because um, the baby is born. She's no longer pregnant. She's there with Luke. And she's there, you know, holding the new baby while the stepmom and Luke are kind of sleeping there. And she just kind of stares into the darkness. And then what we see in our final scene of the film is we see Bloody Mary out in the woods. She's butt ass naked, um, covered in dirt and blood and whatever else. And it seems like she's very much into another ritual, uh, something different than what we've seen already in the film. She's like I said, she's very much uh, very similar to the ending of Robert Eggers, the witch where she's just around a campfire, butt naked chanting, blah, blah, blah. Then she turns around, breaks the fourth wall and looks directly into the camera and then fades to black. And that is our movie. My friends, that is Mandrake 2022. <laughs> it's a quick ride. Like I said, it's only an hour and 25 minutes, but unfortunately it's just a very, whole heavy plot hole heavy movie in the sense that there's just so much ambiguity ambiguity to the film that you know it, it kind of leaves you scratching your head like i said if you're familiar with the mandrake and irish lore in general then maybe this movie will make a little bit more sense to you but otherwise i feel like this is a missed opportunity um as mike and i have both said we were on board for most of the first and second acts but then it just kind of fizzles out in the end. And like I said, the ending, which isn't really an ending. It's like, yes, Kathy survives and is safe. Luke survives and is safe. The stepmom, the young stepmom. We see now that Kathy and the stepmom are actually, they actually have a relationship. Like they're friendly. They're not, mm -hmm. not that they were at each other's throats, but it was that passive aggressive kind of thing where, you know, the ex-wife is with the new wife. And you could tell that there's a little bit of jealousy there, but nothing overt. Um, in this final scene, obviously, they're friendly again, and, you know, Kathy's just kind of sitting there, standing there, I should say, in the darkness, just kind of contemplating what's happened until we see that final scene with Bloody Mary's, which, like I said, that's totally up into the viewer's interpretation of what that means. I mean, it obviously, it's showing us that Mary's still alive. Potentially, Mary could still come back and try to get revenge on Kathy, um, but who knows? So there you go, folks. Not a bad movie, just nothing memorable. So the Mandrake root, you, is fertility one of like the known things? That it's I, personally, for? I'm not sure. Like I said, healing was always the thing. That, just general healing. That's all I really know. You know, because in Pan's Labyrinth, they use it for healing or to try to heal Ophelia's mother. In Harry Potter, they mention how it's used for healing potions, things like that. So... You know, I'm not as up to the up to date on the Mandrake as I'd like to be, but I, I I've always thought it was a cool looking thing. And when when you get a really good interpretation of it, where it's screaming the entire time that it's not buried in in its earth, I, I just really dig that. So, <laughs> two points for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't really have much to add. It it was it was a decent movie uh i would say you know if you're into kind of nordic mythology mixed with a little bit of like occultism i guess uh go ahead and check it out that might serve you well and do enough for you definitely definitely and there's a lot of elements of this movie i skipped obviously i'm not gonna go over every single little scene but you know, there's elements of like uh, there's a scene where the remainder of the potion that Mary was is making that she was saving for her son gets spilled on the ground. And then we see this big lumbering giant literally on his knees crying like a baby because he's not going to be able to get the healing that, you know, that Mary gave to Kathy. Uh, Mary gave it to Kathy as a test. I forgot to mention that throughout the film that Mary wasn't sure if it would kill her or heal her, but she wanted to try it on Kathy first before she tried it on her son. What her son's affliction was, I have no idea because he seemed fine physically. Maybe just, maybe it was a mental thing because he does come off as a little slow. Her son, uh, the wanderer. What, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I got from it and I saw like a, I read like a random review on it that kind of suggested the similar thing was like, so 
she, because of everything that happened to her previously, you know, her son got taken away, basically raised by other people before they reunited when she got out. So it's almost like, you know, she wants like a son of her own that she can actually raise in her ways or whatever. So yeah. that was kind of behind her motivations and maybe why she's not fully satisfied just being reunited with her now adult son. Yeah. I mean, she definitely has a violent reaction when she finds her son's body hanging from that tree. Like, which, mm-hmm. like I said, she doesn't really imply throughout the film. She doesn't, it's never implied throughout the film that she has this deep loving relationship with her son. He comes off as a lackey throughout the movie. You know, he's the one in the costume. He's the one that goes and harvests the kids and brings them to her for her to then do her ritual with the mandrake root, blah, blah, blah. But Right. I don't know. No, I, I, I'll buy that interpretation. Absolutely. Better than what I had. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, then. Well, uh, maybe that's going to do it for our discussion on Mandrake and this episode. But let's see if we have anything for the listeners to listen to outside of Fresh Cuts. Uh, Venom, I'll start with you. All right, so nothing really new since the last episode of Fresh Cuts. Um, episode twelve, of Creature Feet of Creature Comforts, excuse me, is still the uh, the newest episode. We will be to, we will be getting together this week to record Lucky episode thirteen, and uh, we'll let you know what movie that is after that episode's been recorded. Uh, we also have the main show also scheduled to record this week. Fingers crossed for all of these to actually happen. But, uh, yeah, we got the main show on Friday where we're going to look at, um, what was it, City of the Living Dead and Cemetery of Terror. Those are, of course, Derek's picks, and they're great picks for Italian Horror Month. So, uh, you know, the theme is still there. Uh, What else we got? Uh, Episode two of Crystal Lake Gift Shop is still the latest one there. Obviously, you know, we kind of took October off because of just everything else that horror podcasters do in October. And horror fans in general. So yeah, now that now that October is over, we should be able to get back to a more normal schedule. You know, hopefully, you know, two episodes of the main show a month, with one episode monthly of Creature Comforts and Crystal Lake Gift Shop. And that's about all I have. I don't have any guest spots to speak of. Not until December with uh, Twelve Days of Chase Miss. Um, I was invited. Unfortunately, I was invited to. Once again, partake in Italian Horror Month on 22 shots of uh, Moods and Horror. Uh, I've done that twice now, and it's something that I look forward to every November. Unfortunately, because uh, the sh- uh, 22 shots has changed their recording day and time, I unfortunately will not be available uh, on the day and time that they record. It's a little bit early for me out here on the West Coast, so... I'll have to miss out on Italian Horror Month. And they were doing, they were going to give me the Alberto Lenzi episode too, which I'm very upset about because I fucking love those movies. But again, um, uh, in another world. But I think that's it, Mike. I, like I said, no guest spots to speak of. And just the stuff that we got coming up this week that'll be recorded and released. Who knows when? <laughs> Okay. Uh, The silence means I'm done speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dion, how about you? Um, Yeah, so uh, just a new new episode of uh, Creature Comforts coming soon, which I'm really excited about because uh, it's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to uh, the film we're going to cover. I do have a couple of guest spots to uh, announce. Um, I joined up with uh, some friends of mine. I mentioned them a few months ago when um, I joined uh, the Nightclub podcast to look at Sharknado. And I'm joining them again to do uh, the Beyond and House by the Cemetery for Italian Horror Month. (laughs) God damn. You get the the good movies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, more importantly, there's a person on... I, it's a three-person show, and the movie is unwatched by at least one of the person on both on each show. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they handle uh, the be- handle uh, House by the Cemetery because that's going to be a first-time watch for someone on the show. <laughs> so yeah, huh? we're gonna we're gonna see a first-hand impression of Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, <laughs> damn plumber, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking of, um, I'm 
should be guesting on 22 Shots of Moods and Horror for their Umberto Lindsay show for Italian Horror Month. Hey, hey, Donnie gets my spot. Nice. Yeah, Venom couldn't make it, so uh, I uh, volunteered. Although, uh, I, I should mention that may not happen since uh, Venom announced he couldn't do it. I said, uh, you know, if you're willing and interested, I can make it. I've seen both. I've seen the movies. And J.P. Hart reacted to the comment and hasn't spoken to me since. <laughs> Those 22 Shots guys are so cryptic. Yeah, um, I, I've seen them. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but uh, like I said, uh, I offered, he heart reacted, and hasn't spoken to me since, so I, I guess that means I'm on. <laughs> Let's hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, the only other thing is season one of Horror Countdown, uh, available on all or majority of podcast catchers uh, gearing up for season two, which uh, will start pre-production next month. So uh, getting the final pre-production details ready because I'm going to expand it just a little bit. I'm going to do a little something extra to spice up the show and give you guys a little something extra. It's not going to be too much more, but uh, it's going to make it seem a little bit more professional. So, uh, yeah, we're about ready to do uh, finish that up and then uh, put the announcement out for new guests. So uh, be on the lookout for that. So uh, pretty much all I got on my end. Okay. So um, on my end, not much outside of the regular shows we do. So be on the lookout for the next episode of Fresh Cuts, which looks like it's going to be The Menu, which is a theatrical release this week so um i'm i'm thinking like the end of the year should be decent um well yeah we'll see i mean there's some notable releases but we'll see how how good they end up yeah there's one there's one foreign movie that came out last week that i'm very interested in i was i was gonna see if i could talk you guys into doing it but we'll see We'll, we'll talk off air do you know, is the Joe Bagos killer robot Santa movie, is that supposed to re- actually release this year? Because I know it's... It's coming to Shudder. Absolutely this year, 100%. I think it's coming to Shudder, I believe. Makes oh, sense. good. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So. Oh, yeah, that'll be a must. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, the menu most likely next. And with that said, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you in a week's time. Let's say bye to our listeners. Later. Don't bother witches in the woods. Just leave them alone. And if you uh, can't hear it screaming, it can't kill you. <laughs>